Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Jesus died on the cross for us. Right? He died on the cross to save you and me from all of our sins. So he paid the penalty. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated. He was abused. He took on my shame and my guilt for my sins. He paid in full. And so for me to, to go on in rebellion and disobedience, God would say, but I, after all, I did for you. After I, I died for you. I loved you when you were unlovely. You know, I sacrificed everything to save you, to forgive you. If in light of that, I go on and rebel, God would say, this is because knowing what I've done for you, you've continued. As Christians, we know the sacrifice that Jesus made to save us. But do we actually live it out in our daily lives? Today in his message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you need to sacrifice yourself for Jesus the same way that he died for you. He gave all of himself so that you might be set free, and he is expecting nothing less from you. If you're a believer and living your life chock full of sin, you will never draw near to his presence. Answer his calling and confess your sin before the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. How many fake prophecies did a false prophet get to tell? Just one. You get to be wrong one time. So if you were a prophet and that was your office, that was a reverent work. You didn't walk around like, I feel like God should, you know, I'm going to just say this, you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, today, I'm telling you, I'm saying this because it happens. There are people that take this so lightly and they're walking into a church of people that just start telling you whatever they want to tell you. They ain't got a word from God. I've had people lie. I, I go back to them and say, you lied on God. Are you afraid? I'm scared for you. You lied on God. I've had people speak non-prophetic. I've had prophetic words spoken that were from the Lord, verified, came to pass. And I make sure and let them know. Whenever someone speaks to me and it's a word of the Lord, I make sure and let them know that was the word of the Lord for me. And I, I, I receive that. Praise the Lord. But I'm just as faithful on the flip side when people lie on God. And I've had people in churches, ministers, otherwise. Clint has had somebody um, <laughs> prophet lie over his life, tell him his mother was from somewhere she wasn't from and all kind of mess, you know. Um, we just need to be very discerning because the word of the Lord is a big deal. It's a big deal that God will speak to us, that God will reveal things. God's never wrong, never makes a mistake. He's never wrong even a little bit. Um, as you read through the scriptures, you'll find that the prophetic words are usually very specific. Right. God's going to tell people things. Like, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you who's going to happen through and to. And so it's I, I could look at that and say, we're going to know by next week if that was from the Lord or not. These words that be going, God's going to bless you if you just keep going. Well, bless me. How? If I just keep doing where, you know, and, and if he doesn't, is it because I didn't do it? Now that's a conditional blessing. It leaves all this room for, you know, it's like y'all be careful. Y'all be careful. And for those of us that move in those gifts. You be careful. Yes. You be careful. Don't don't, don't 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 ever hold back what the Lord gives and don't ever lie on the Lord. That's a big deal. And back then you only got to do it once. In my life, you only get to lie on God to me once. I don't if you lie on God to me one time, I'll never acknowledge you as a person with that gifting. Um, you don't get a second chance, you know, to lie on the Lord to me, you know. So um, I'll share this one real quick. Um, as my wife and I are today is our 20th wedding anniversary. We celebrated last weekend. Yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. When um, some of you guys know my son Billy is uh, my son Billy when he when Mika was pregnant with him, um, obviously I was excited. My first son, God was you know I was excited. You know gonna have a boy, blah blah blah. 
There was a, no, 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 I'm sorry. It wasn't Billy. I'm sorry. We had Billy. It was Benjamin. And I shared with a group of people at our old church. The Lord had given me his name. Um, it was, it was, I was not prophetic, but I knew that it was going to be a boy. Um, my son, Billy is autistic. And the Lord had given me this whole layout, how that like Joseph, when Joseph was born, you know, it was his father's son. It was, he was favored him and, and God took him away. God said, I got a plan for Joseph that's bigger than what you had for him. And God took him away. He didn't die. He thought he was dead. But God, no, I took him away and I'm raising him up because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something great with his life. And then God gave him a son of his old age named Benjamin. And he was the son of his right hand. So God, when my wife got pregnant with BJ, who was a surprise, I knew it was a boy. And I got that name. Lord, that's going to be your son of your right. That's going to be your right hand man. Um, I got a different plan for Billy. I had all these. I, Billy was my firstborn son. That's my, I'm junior. He's a third. I had decided, oh, this is going to be my, my linebacker, my little assistant pastor guy, blah, 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 all these different things. And God said, I got something different planned for him. And God has had a different plan, a better plan than what I had. But God gave me this. Well, this woman came and she said, she said it was a word of the Lord. And she said, you know, and it was a terrible word. It was, it was, I was so glad that I know the Lord myself. But she told me that, you know, because, you know, Benjamin, when he was born in the Bible, his mother died. She came and said, she basically told me my wife was going to die. And I was like, it, it, with, with the birth. And I was like, I stopped right there. And I was like, I, not because I don't like the word, I don't receive it. I'm like, that just, I, I don't receive that. That's not from us. I, I should have just called her the devil and kicked her out there. And I said, I, 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 I did say, we'll see, you know, I will, I'll, hold, I'll hold my peace. But I went home and I said, Lord, you know, I, I never told my wife about that. Uh, to way later, he was he was you know five before she ever heard this. But I I said, Lord, you know, she didn't need to hear that. That's that's some. I, I, I usually don't I usually don't replay Satan's lies, you know. So, um, you know, and I just I went back to her later and I said, you know, you lied on the Lord. I was there when my son was born. I I got to hold him first. I went back and took a second look at my wife, kissed her on the forehead. We good, you know. We we jamming right along, you know. So I'm like, so what do you say, you know? Um, we should just be really careful about discerning and listening, discerning and speaking. Um, here, God says, so that y'all know why y'all are in such a bad place. I sent a prophet very specifically to tell you guys. He reminded them of all that the Lord had done for them. He delivered you. He brought you out of bondage. He, he, he gave you the land of those that previously oppressed you. And it says, and then he commanded you in verse 10. He said, he commanded you. I am the Lord, your God. Don't fear the gods of these other people, the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. And it says, but it says, but you didn't. But but you have not obeyed my voice. The reason y'all are in the predicament y'all are in is because you have not obeyed my voice. And so a second step to any kind of revival is I, we have to acknowledge where we're wrong. Um, you realize that someone a person can't really get right with the Lord who won't say what they're doing wrong. Um, you know, some people are like, I just want to just brush that under the rug. No, you need to be able to acknowledge that this is what's wrong with my walk with the Lord. I'm lying all the time. I'm involved in this kind of behavior that's outside the will of God. You got to be able to pinpoint and identify this is what's wrong with my walk with the Lord. I'm doing this thing right here and I know better. I know that's not the will of God for my life. And so God says, so that y'all know for sure, I'm going to send a prophetic word, speak it to you very clearly. So y'all will know why y'all have been in this predicament. This is why y'all been oppressed. As I'm getting ready to bring you out, I want you to understand why you were in. So y'all think about it next time. Think about what this brought upon you. Because you guys being my, after all I did for you, you guys went and worshiped these other gods. Why would you do that? Right? For you and me, it would, it would look like this. Jesus died on the cross for us. Right? He died on the cross to save you and me from all of our sins. To pay the penalty, he was embarrassed. He was humiliated. 
He was abused, took on my shame and my guilt from my sins. He paid in full. And so for me to, to go on in rebellion and disobedience, God would say, but I, after all I did for you, after I, I died for you, I loved you when you were unlovely. You know, I sacrificed everything to save you, to forgive you. If in light of that, I go on and rebel, God would say, it's because knowing what I've done for you, you've continued in rebellion. You continue in disobedience. And so now I'm disciplining you. That's why this is happening. And so some of us here have experienced the discipline. I have. I've been spanked by the Lord. It's not fun. Not good. It's, um, you know, the, the, the only upside to being disciplined by the Lord um, and I remember taking comfort in this one time in particular is that God only disciplined, like just in the same way, I only spank my kids. I don't spank your kids. Uh, I would like to, but I only spank my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so the Lord the only disciplined my kids. You know, it's, it's an evidence that you belong to me. And so that's the only upside, you know, that, you know, at least I know I'm his. <laughs> that's I guess, you know, he wants me. He's helping me. He's getting me, you know, guided back in the right direction, you know. But it's important that we know. Um, what we've done wrong. Uh, a lot of times we think of uh, the scriptures as far as revival. A lot of people look at Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and I feel like when I hear it quoted, I always I feel like there's always a part left out. Um, most people say, oh, you know, "If my people would humble themselves and pray, you know, then I would heal their land." And people, I'm like, that's not it. It's more than that. It's not just humble yourself and pray. It says that my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, and then it says, "Seek my face," and then turn. From their wicked ways. He said, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll hear their land. And a lot of times I hear that verse, that verse quoted, quoted, that verse quoted, and people leave out the repent part. That's 2 Chronicles 7, 14 for you note takers. They leave out the and turn from your wicked way. You can't turn. You can't pray and keep doing bad. You know, God says, I want my people to humble themselves, to pray, um, to seek my face, and to turn from their wicked ways. These are the, I'll hear from heaven. I'll be listening. I'm into that. And so maybe some of us here, you know, we're, we're, we're turning back to the Lord and maybe you're coming to be praying. That's good. God, we're turning back to him. We're going to seek his face. But also don't forget to turn from the wicked way. If there's any ways, there's any things that are not the ways of the Lord. Let's make sure we turn from those things. And, and that's all part of turning back to the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Look at verse um, verse 11. Now it says, now the angel of the Lord, um, it should be a cap. Caps in your Bible, the angel of the Lord, so that you guys know when you see this in scripture, what is this? Anybody know? Except Clint. Don't answer Clint. Anybody? <laughs> I know Clint. Does anybody else know? When you see the angel of the Lord like that, capital angel of the Lord, Christophany, this is a pre-incarnate. This is a, whenever you see that, this is, this is Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, showing up before he, you know, before he became a baby in Bethlehem. And so, um, this is God. This is Jesus Christ showing up. The angel of the Lord comes. Uh, one of the ways that we know that it's not just an angel is other times in scripture where the angel of the Lord shows up and people go down to worship him. He receives the worship. Uh, regular angels we see in Revelation. John fell down about to worship. The angel said, stop it. The angel said, don't, don't, don't do that. You know, I'm a man. Just I'm, 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 do not worship me. I, you know, the regular angels would not take worship. They know better. They know that that glory is only for the Lord. They, they, they have a proper reverence and respect and honor for the Lord. And so we know that this is a, a pre-incarnate. This is Jesus. So I just want you to know that this is the Lord showed up, right? The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress 
in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, we're getting introduced to our next judge. Gideon is his name. Uh, he'll also be referred to as Zerubbabel. So there's kind of two names uh, for the same individual. We'll see back and forth. I'll explain it as we go. Um, but Gideon, we're introduced to here. And I want you to capture where we meet him at. He's in, they're supposed to be on a hilltop where the wind blows, threshing the wheat. And so they can lift it up in the air and the wind can blow it and the wheat can fall down. He's down in a wine press hiding. Why? Because they're getting punked by the Midianites and he can't, he can't, he can't do it where you would normally do it because if he did, they would come and take it all away. And so he's in a wine press. This is not the best environment to do what he's doing. He's working harder to do what he's doing. He's there because he's afraid. That's why he's down there. And I want you to capture that and, and keep that in mind as you listen to what the Lord says to him and about him. So Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. He's hiding. He's scared. Verse 12 says, and the angel of the Lord appeared and said to him, I'm sorry, appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I read that and I just say, wow, like, like, I don't see anything mighty right now. He's hiding in a wine press. He's like, are they coming? He's like, you know, he probably was afraid when he saw the Lord showed up. You know, he's down there and God says, you mighty man of valor. Right. And even as Gideon starts talking, I'm like, well, maybe he looks scared, but he's really like, a, you know, G'd up. Now, when he starts talking, we're going to see that he's still scared. He's still unsure. And I, I want to point out why I believe the Lord does this. Um, why is it that it seems like the Lord picks unlikely candidates to do his work. Um, when it was time to fight Goliath, a giant, Saul was the best candidate. The Bible says Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So if there were a man in Israel that should have went head up with Goliath, should have been Saul. He was the best candidate. Who went? A cute little, that's the Bible says he was cute. He was ruddy, little boy, little guy, David. Dave, that's, that's not unlikely. He's little. He didn't have a, you know, he you know, I don't get the, I don't, I don't think he had muscles yet. I don't think he had his man muscles yet. It just, you get the idea, this little cute kid that's got a harp and watches his daddy's sheep and, you know, he worships and plays and he's got his little slinging stones. But you know what David had? He had a heart for the Lord. He had the spirit of God upon his life. And he was an unlikely candidate, but he became God's, he, he became God's, the person that God said, I'm putting my hand on him. When Samuel went to the house of Jesse to pick the next king, uh, Jesse didn't even think enough of David to bring him out. Jesse like couldn't be him. He brought everybody else out. And when Jesse saw the eldest son, he said, that surely that's the one. And what did God tell him? He says, the, the Lord doesn't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance. What is God looking at? The hearts. This is an important lesson for all of us here. Your physical limitations, irrelevant to the Lord. It like Whatever limitations you possess, in, in God, your limitations can almost be God's opportunity. God's like, oh, so you're weak there. Oh, you're really not strong there. Oh, you, you know, Moses, I can't speak. Great. You're going to be my spokesman. That's what I need. I need a, I need a guy that can start it. Um, it's going to be greater when I do it through you. You know, um, that, this, that's what God does. He'll take the, the, the Bible says he takes the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And so as I read this, I'm encouraged. And I hope you'll be encouraged because God wants to use all of us. And a lot of times people come to God offering up their, oh, Lord, I, not, not, not me because this. I don't have this. I haven't, I don't know enough of this. I'm, I'm not really talented in this. I'm not gifted in God's like that. Those are, that's the stuff that, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I, I don't need you to come complete. I don't need you to come 
figure feeling like you know it all. I need you to come submitted. I need you to come full of faith. I need you to come believe. You can come weak. I, I'm, I, in your weakness, my strength is shown in an even greater way. Um, people will know when I do it through you that it's, 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 it had to be the hand of God. You'll know that it wasn't you and others will know that it wasn't you and I'll get the glory as I do it through you. And so um, maybe some of us here have things that the Lord is calling us to do, speaking or has spoken to you to do. Um, don't offer excuses to the Lord. You know, don't, don't tell God what you can't do. Don't tell God, you know, which, which, you know, Lord, I'm not, this is not really the one for this. You know, I'm not really, I don't have this. I'm, I'm going to talk, my wife's not in here, so I can talk about her. When, um, now, I, you know, if you spend time with somebody, you start to see, I would see my wife's gifts. I'm like, man, she could, she could teach. She could converse and communicate the word. And she was an mom. When, if, if I could roll back tape years for you guys, so y'all know Mika now, right? For you guys that know her. She wouldn't speak. Telling her to go up and speak. No, 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 that's, you, you do that. I'll, I'll write the thing out for you. You know, I'll I'll meet with people privately, but she wouldn't go. And then eventually, you know, the Lord had dealt with her and, you know, she went and she spoke somewhere and I knew it was going to be good. Um, I knew it was going to be. And I said, and I couldn't. It was a women's event. And I, I told someone, there, I said, can you just just stick a, a recording? I want to hear it later. You know, no, it's going to be anointed. Little fire. She was bringing it, you know. So uh, and, and, and little by little, you know, she just she came out of that, you know, to where it's like, okay, I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and God give me this. She just does it now, you know. But there was a day where it was like, no, that's not really my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm quiet, you know. She had all her reasons, excuses. Um, you know, reasons and excuses are simultaneous when they when they're telling God why you can't. Um, and so, you know, maybe y'all, some, maybe some of y'all have reasons or excuses. Uh, I've had reasons and excuses too. So uh, I've told God what I couldn't do, and God's like, no, nope, no, nope, now, now you're gonna do it. Now you're going to do it, you know, and um, tell me, don't tell, don't tell God what you can't do. Definitely don't tell God what you ain't going to do. Um, you know, I, I almost laugh when I hear people say, nah, I'm not going to do that. Mm, you don't say that out loud. God's going to, you know, just, I'll be, I'll, I'll be taking the photograph of you doing it. I can't wait, you know. So God picks him. He's, he, you know, he picks the weak things of the word. If you're writing notes, um, you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, verse 26 to 29, and um, I'll read it to you and then we'll move on. First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to 29 says, um, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many were wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world... And the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so God says, I, you know, I picked the weak, so that no, no, no flesh would glory. You know, no, there'll be no man standing up saying he the man. That when God gets done using a humble, broken servant, everybody will be saying, God is amazing what he did. Um, great things he has done. And so God calls Gideon, you know, a mighty man of valor. And it's laughable because of where he's at and what he's doing. But this is another encouraging thing. God sees the finished product because at the end of this thing, Gideon is going to be a mighty man of valor by the time this thing is done. He's not a mighty man of valor right here, but he will be. And you can be encouraged that as God looks at you and as, you know, I look at you guys and y'all look at me, we're looking at an unfinished product, right? So we're going to see some mess ups. We're going to see some blemishes. Isn't it encouraging to think that when God looks at you, he sees the finished product, that God, God sees you complete, even though you're incomplete right now. 
God sees you finished, even though you're like, but I'm not finished yet. God's like, I, I got I got vision. I'm able to see what will be. Um, and sometimes we, we got to get a little bit of that for one another. You know, sometimes you're looking at somebody and you see the rough edges and it's not done yet. But sometimes we got to have a, a, the mind of Christ to see what something could be because you treat someone different when you're looking at what they could be instead of looking at what they are. You know, when you look at I'm on the street and I'm seeing somebody that's wrapped up in drugs. I'm seeing what they are, but I've seen God bring people out and use them mightily. And I got to have a mind that says what could be. I can't look at what they are and then treat them like what they are. I got to look at them and say, but this could be. This is a great platform for God to do a great thing. And so I'm looking at what they could be, not what they are. And, and that's that'll be having you. You have the mind of Christ a lot more if you could see people that way. Um, you know, so moving on, look at verse 13. Now it says Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us now, I want you to hear his frustration. Now, God just prophesied and told them why everything has gone wrong. And but listen to what Gideon says. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Now, didn't God just tell them why all this happened to them? Right. So but I want you to hear you can hear the frustration in Gideon. He's like, if, if the Lord is really with us. Look at where we are. I'm in a wine press. Look, why has all this happened to us if God is really with us? It's, you know, let's look at it. He says, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers had told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And I hear in his voice, I, does he sound a little salty to y'all? He sounded a little salty to me. Gideon's like, Lord, if the Lord is really with us, look at me. You know, I'm in the wine press. Where are the miracles that they're talking about? I don't see no miracles. I'm down here. We're oppressed by the Midianites. And God, I just told you why. Because y'all been disobedient. Y'all been worshiping false gods. But God responds in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, this is a command. Go in this might of yours. What might? Just stop right there. Go in this might of yours. What might? And I went, I, I was pondering that. Right. I'm going to give you my thoughts. I don't, I'm not. This is not gospel, but I'm going to give you my thoughts. I sat on that for a while. I'm like, go in this. I'm like, God is a, either God is being funny. And, you know, we talked about that the other night. I don't know. I, either God is making jokes. God said, you go in this might of yours. And this is my thought. Right. What might? I, the only thing I saw that the, the, the strongest thing I seen Gideon do was was complain. Look at where we are. Look at why are we here? Why, where are the guys? All that, all that right to go in that might. Go in, go in that might of yours. Take that fervor. I want you to go in that might. But he gives them some instruction. God says, go in that might of yours. And he promises them something. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And I'm looking and saying, why? God's making promises to this guy. God says, I want you to go in this might of yours. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you. Um, you're going to save Israel from the Midianites. And God tells him, have I, have I not sent you? Look at verse 15. He says, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? And he says, indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Not too long ago in the Bible, there was someone else that sounded like this. Um, this is humility, right? Anybody know that someone else that when they were called, they, they, they pointed to the weakness of their tribe and their heritage? Anybody? Saul, right. When Saul was called to be king, he said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the weakest tribe. I'm the weakest one in the weakest tribe. My father's house, the weakest house in the weakest tribe. He was humble at the beginning, but he ain't stay humble 
he got messed up toward the end. So I just want you to know Gideon here is saying, it's just, I read that and I, I remembered that that's exactly what Saul said. Um, Gideon said, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill has been working his way through the eventful book of Judges. In this book, you hear about men and women of valor and courage who were willing to risk their lives, but put their faith in God to the test. Gideon is just one that comes to mind as he asked God to show him what he should do, and God showed up mightily. God delights in seeing your faith go big. Do you believe God for big things? Or do you sink into believing that it's too difficult for God? God just waiting to see you ask and trust Him for things in faith. Maybe you'll have a faith story that equals some of these people in the book of Judges. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and a midweek service on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Under the teaching tab, you'll find links to our messages. While you're at the website, why not download the mobile app? You'll get access to all our messages so you can have them on the go. If you haven't found what you're looking for on our website, feel free to call us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for listening. We look forward to next time as we hear a transforming word.